When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Everything Medicare podcast. This is episode 69. And um, if this is your first time listening, my name is Christian Brindle. I'm your host. I'm a Medicare health plan um, specialist and expert and just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. And today, I have a really, really special guest with me, um, someone that I'm, I've been really excited to talk to, someone that I've learned a lot from from afar um, and how he's kind of changed a lot of things in a lot of ways that, you know, um, people interact and how people consume and, and transfer information in the Medicare industry and the insurance industry in general. Um, so a lit and, and his name is Justin Brock. If, 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 for those of you who haven't heard of him before, um, just a little bit of quick information about Justin, and then I'm going to jump right in and we're going to have a great conversation here. Um, with some questions that I really can't ask a lot of people that we interview. <laughs> not saying that they're not qualified to answer them or anything like that, but I think Justin is a real expert on the kind of topics that we're going to talk about today, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, so Justin and me are very um, kindred spirits, you could say. Both of us grew up around the insurance industry, which I think is fascinating. Um, so Justin grew up actually working with his dad, and sorting Medicare supplement applications through boxes for, for, for old Medicare supplement carriers like Continental General or Forethought. And um, his dad was an agent for a long time. And Justin didn't think he wanted to be in the insurance industry at first at a young age, and neither did I. I can really sympathize with that. I, I didn't feel like it was something that was my passion or what my destiny or whatever. Um, so Justin went and joined the, the, the Marines at 18 and um, after some time ended up having a wife, two kids uh, and he, he felt like he needed to change uh, from the military so he, he ended up going back home working with his dad. Um, his dad taught him how to get started and how to start selling in the insurance industry and um, after a year or so doing things the traditional way which we're going to talk about um, he Justin decided to there was a better way to help people and a more friendly way than putting you know 20 30 40,000 miles on his car every year which I can definitely sympathize with Justin started using Facebook videos webinars to educate baby boomers all over the area um, where his agency is in north northeast Mississippi and even in some other states like South Carolina Indiana etc and we'll talk about the other states that Justin's company works with people in um, his agency exploded and before you knew it, they had over 10,000 clients, customers, just a couple of years, and their office helps over 2,000 agents and close to 13,000 clients. And so, um, Justin, thank you so much for being willing to do this. I know you're a really busy person, and um, I'm flattered that you took the time to do this. Just thank you so much for, for, for being willing to do this. 
Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So first question I wanted to kind of jump into, um, and I think we'll just kind of dive right in here. Um, cause I'm, cause like I said, I know you're a busy person and I don't, I want to, I want to respect your time. Um, my first question is, and it's one I'm really, really dying to know, and I'm sure the audience would be fascinated to hear. Um, you're one of the first people that I'm personally aware of that has embraced technology, um, especially 2000s technology and social media and the internet to really bring people on Medicare information um, in an effective way, I feel. You know, what made you figure out that you could bring information to people on Medicare this way? What Was there like an aha moment? Talk about that for a minute, if you would. Uh, yeah, so I just when I first came into it, I started uh, started you know talking to people and um, and you know a lot of other agents would say, oh, you know, senior citizens or baby boomers are not on Facebook and they're not on on so and so. And when it kind of dawned on me that they were wrong, and I thought that you know on a, this is my hunch that they were wrong was when my uh, grandmother, who was eighty three, added me on Facebook. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, and she, she was on every morning. And, and I'm thinking, okay, if she's 83 and on there, and there are a lot of 60, 60, 62, 63, 64, 65-year-olds on there. And so when I first started getting into it, I didn't know um, the initial benefit um, to finding people to help would be. Um, but I knew that over time it would be important to have that presence there. Um uh, and then I was kind of blown away at how how quickly it actually did uh, happen. Where I started getting calls, I started getting attention, um, and and then you know we started putting more and more into it, getting such good initial response, um, and then we started doing very well on Facebook. Uh, since then, it's been kind of convoluted with very very spam kind of ads, um, and so it's become slightly less effective more i think because people are annoyed kind of like with cold calls they're getting a little annoyed with the way that they're being uh, berated with the uh topic right and so it's but doing it we were we were actually just putting out solid information and uh and getting response and it was kind of before everybody else was doing it um and so that really really uh really helped us and now i believe in all those mediums online to get the information out there. Uh, one that I uh, commend you for doing as a podcast because it does take a lot of work and, and that's something that we haven't started doing yet. Um, but we, um, you know, we, we're doing YouTube and we're doing Facebook and we do a little bit on brand. And, um, and I think it's all part of it because I think that the, the baby boomer generation shouldn't be viewed as, um, and beyond the baby boomer generation shouldn't be viewed the same way that we were, we viewed Medicare beneficiaries in the past where we had to just sit in their living room and have tea with them and stuff. Baby boomers yeah. don't want that. They want the information they need. They want it from somebody they know they can trust and they want to get the show on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No question. No question. I mean, I, and that's fascinating to me, you know, um, I, I can speak, you know, cause m- my dad who, you know, I started out working with, um, my dad just turned 65 last November himself, you know, and he, he got on Medicare. And so my dad, my dad's a baby boomer and my dad, you know, for all the talk about seniors don't use Facebook, seniors don't use the internet, seniors don't use social media. I mean, my dad has an Instagram account, you know, 
I don't think he don't quite knows how to use it 100%, but he's on there, you know, and he likes things and things right. like that. And um, he's been on Facebook probably – he got on Facebook before I did, you know, way back when, when it got popular. And um, I just think, you know, I think I think your ability to see that was – you know, really unique, you know, because I, I convinced myself of that for a long time, you know, that baby boomers just can't, you know, get information that way, or, you know, they're just not, their eyeballs aren't there. And it's just been so wrong. <laughs> um, so l- let me shift gears to this next question here. Um, so anyone listening to this podcast, and this kind of piggybacks on the last question, is likely going to be pretty tech savvy. Um, I had, you know, we, we have people that reach out to our office sometimes, you know, that, that, um, listen to the podcast and, and we only, I'm my, my, I'm only licensed in three States at the moment. So sometimes it's fairly a little more limited, but, um, but we have people that reach out to, you know, us and I've, I've noticed that pretty much every single person that's ever reached out to us that listens to the podcast is fairly tech savvy, internet savvy, you know, all that stuff to the people listening at home. How do you think that they can use the internet to make their lives easier with their Medicare health plans? So definitely a lot of the companies are um, making strides to catch up with their their customer base or their clients um, to to create a you know a more internet friendly situation. So I mean you, you see this with like. Mutual of Omaha and Humana and Aetna and some of these, the bigger companies where they're rolling out platforms to where if you are internet savvy, once you get set up, you can, you can, uh, you get on, on these platforms and kind of monitor things where you can see if a doctor says, Hey, I filed this claim and, you know, uh, your supplement didn't pay or your advantage plan didn't pay or whatever it may be. Um, Typically now you can get into your own portal and see if they're full of crap or not. <laughs> then you can create a portal right into Medicare and see what's been filed with Medicare. So uh, in those ways, that helps you out, you know, some. Um, you know, if, if you get uh, ancillary products or, or products that include dental and vision, it helps to be able to get on there, print off cards. You can even get uh, things like on your smartphone now. You can have your card you know, right there on the phone. So you're not having to keep up with them or if you lose them, it's okay. Cause you can just have a picture of it on your phone. Um, so there's a lot of things like that on the forefront of it. When you're researching, um, the internet can be as quickly your, uh, annoyance or demise as it can help you if you don't know what you're doing. Because if you go on Google and you start searching for things related to Medicare, you're going to get a ton of traffic right there at the top. And even some of the organic posts that come up will be, people that are trying to collect lead information and they're call you to death until they get you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying any of those organizations are bad. I'm friends with a lot of the ones that own, that own them and they do what we do. They, they do the best thing for people. Most of them do. Uh, some of them are probably not good examples of that, but, um, but you know, it can get to where it's annoying because a lot of times you're just looking for information. Um, we try to put all the information out there on the, forefront we're saying here's what all the supplements are here's how medicare works here's all this i want to explain it to you before i ever even talk to you and then hopefully in turn when you get ready to use somebody to purchase your medicare supplement or medicare advantage plan since it doesn't cost you anything else you come back and you you use the person that that helps you just like with with uh, christian's podcast if uh you know you listen to the podcast and you've learned a whole lot and you're getting ready to enroll hopefully you would call 
Jim because he helped you with all of it, you know. And there are other examples of this. There are, there are a lot of good people in the industry, and there are a lot of bad people. So I would just say on the forefront when you're purchasing, just be careful not to necessarily use the first person that pops up on Google. It's one of the problems that I've seen with them is even when they're nice the first time, you might not ever be able to get those people on the phone again because those big agencies do have a lot of turnover. And sometimes that agent's been there for six months, you know, and so it, it may not be a good fit long term. So, you know, that's that's the two things where I, I think technology comes into Medicare is on the post side, getting set up and having access to more resources. And on the front side, um, you know, there are a lot of good resources out there where you don't even have to talk to an agent before you're ready to purchase uh, and you can still learn most of what you need to learn. I love it. I love it. I And I agree 100% with you there. I mean, and I think we've all, you know, worked with somebody who just kind of worked with the first person they could encounter, you know, and um, I've, I've seen I've seen a lot of situations, I'm sure you have too, where, you know, someone will sign up for a supplement with, you know, Mutual of Omaha or some other big carrier um, with a big agency and they'll, they'll, they'll set it up for six months out. You know, um, I don't know if some of the carriers still do that, but I know they did it recently and um and you know they 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 have a change of heart or they're not sure if they made the right decision or they just forget a lot of the information and within but you know before their plan even goes into effect they'll contact the agency and the agent's not there anymore <laughs> you right know? right uh, that's that's a common occurrence especially with the people that come up on google a lot of times is they don't they they have some agents that stay forever and then they have a lot of them that are just turning over turning over turning over some of them hire hundreds of agents a year because they're losing hundreds of agents a year. So wow. that could be that could be an issue, um, you know, when you know because when you call back and the other person's not familiar with you and you have no bond there, um, you know, when you call our us up, we have uh, we have an, when when you use an agent in our office, that agent is your agent forever, and we lose very few agents over time uh, normally. It's, you know, do if we have lost one, it's uh, a very specific instance of, you know, they're just not effective or they're, they're giving them the wrong advice or something. But as far as these other places, a lot of their, their turnover is mostly due to they're recruiting out of college and these people are not sure what they want to do with their lives. And this is kind of like just a stepping stone. The people we hire, we're hiring with the intent that this is going to be their, their career now um, because we want to keep that agent they're building relationships and um, I want them to have hundreds of clients that are their clients and they take good care of. I think that's a really, I think, I think that's great, you know, cause I, and I wish more companies had that approach. I think it would serve, you know, people on Medicare really well, but, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that's fantastic. Um, so let, let me, let me, let me, sw- let me switch topics here to this next question. And I, I think this is, um, a question that I've asked everybody that we've talked to and I've gotten different answers from everybody and I don't think I've had anyone give me a bad answer or a wrong answer. It's just I think the perspectives are so so great, you know, because I think there's so many ways to answer this question. Um, what, what do you – you've worked with a lot of different insurance companies, you know. You're, um, you work with multiple carriers as, as do we. Um, what do you recommend people on Medicare look for when they're picking an insurance company? Should should they value the quality of the company 
or should they value the plans that maybe necessarily just look good on paper, but they might not have maybe a great reputation, or maybe they don't not familiar with the company? If they if if they if it came down to being able to pick between the two, and they can't have both, because sometimes you know you you have a great company with a great product, but maybe there's two plans that are close, but the plan that looks better on paper doesn't have the reputation as the other plan or something like that. Um, what what are your yeah. thoughts on that? So I mean, obviously. We lean, uh, we lean in most of the areas that we market. Most of our prospects are calling us. That we lean to the original Medicare with a Medicare supplement side. Now, when that, um, when we can, you know, convince someone that that's the best way to go, a lot of that has to do with continuation of freedom of choice, not having to worry about a network coming in and out of, you know, availability, um, and 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 that's. And, and just to make that more watered down and not sound so technical, um, you know, when when someone has a private Medicare Advantage plan, it might be great this year or the next year or the next year, and then all of a sudden the hospital that runs your, you know, local area decides they're not going to take that anymore, and then you might be too sick to go back to original Medicare, and there might not be as good of a Medicare Advantage plan available, whereas the original Medicare side, with a supplement, it's a little more fluid. You kind of get what you what you get from the beginning, and it shouldn't be changing too much, if at all, over time. Um, now, so so those are two different concepts. So when you're picking a company on both of those sides, it would I would have different opinions um, as to how you would value the company on the me- original Medicare with a Medicare supplement side. Um, obviously, the benefits are all the same. And so I would say that sometimes the name of the company is irrelevant um, if they have a good track record of not increasing their rates too quickly on their customers. Um, and, and of course, it is the, the plan letter is the same. So because CMS does set in stone what a plan F, plan G, plan N, et cetera, cover, if you're looking and shopping for a plan G, it wouldn't the benefit from the benefits perspective. It wouldn't matter which one you had, but uh, from the perspective of who's going to going to uh, keep my rate stable over time, so that if I do get sick and I can't change, I'm not having to ride out unreasonable um, increases. Um, I would say that that does matter, but it's not always a big company that does that. Sometimes the big companies, some of the big companies, actually are notorious for raising rates too quickly. So, um, you know, for instance, we have a company here that um, a couple of companies that most of my customers haven't heard of, but they're actually really good choices if you look at them on paper, um, like Pekin or IEC, you know, those are just companies that most people haven't heard of, but they, in, in our area at least, they've done a really good job keeping their rates low. They're actually lower now than when they started. Um, and so my customers that have those are actually paying less than when they first signed up. Um, same with like Aetna or someone, you know, but then there are companies that don't do a great a job at that. And some of those companies are small and some of them are big. So uh, I don't think the name recognition is as much of an issue as having an agent that can look at their track record and help you make the best estimation possible as to which one's going to be good for you. It's going to start out low on price and hopefully stay low on price. Um, on the Medicare Advantage side, I would say your bigger carriers are better. Um, if you have an area where you have like a, a really hot plan that looks good, um, sometimes if it's 
not a brand name, like if it's some kind of, you know, TNT insurance that you've never heard of, mm-hmm. um, and their benefit structure is really good, well, it might be that they're trying to get a whole lot of people to enroll and then sell the company to someone else. Um, and so in that case, the benefit structure can change abruptly because they're trying to sell out. That's what we've seen a lot of. Um, so if I was doing Medicare Advantage, I would try to stick with the bigger names. Um, right now, you know, that's doing a really good job with Medicare Advantage in the areas that they're coming out. Um, that kind of changes. And I, I would advise this, too. If, you, if you're in an area that has three or more good Medicare Advantage options, then Medicare Advantage is a good possibility for you. If you're not, if you have one Medicare Advantage option, then I would say Medicare Advantage is a bad option for you because if you only have one and then Baylor Hospital quits taking it, you can't switch to another one. So now if you're sick, you can't get a Medicare supplement. Uh, so that's a bad scenario. Whereas if you had three, you know, and Baylor said, well, we're not taking Humana anymore. Well, now, okay, I can switch to Aetna or I can switch to United Healthcare. But there are a lot of areas that have one viable Medicare Advantage option. And that's that's a that's playing Russian roulette, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I I agree completely. I think that's a great rule too. You know, I think more options typically means markets are going to be more competitive. Like, I I lived in Florida for a year in 2017 and worked with a lot of people down there and still do. And um, and one thing I noticed, you know, not saying there's anything wrong with the the Medicare Advantage market where I'm from in Utah and the Wasatch Front in Salt Lake, but um, the Medicare Advantage market is fine much stronger than some other areas, but compared to Florida, you know, where the, the plans are as rich as I've ever seen personally, you know, and I mean, and there's 20, 20, 30, 20, 25 carriers or something like that, you know, um, I, I think that's a great rule, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense to me, more carriers, you know, and one or two carriers, probably you're stuck on that plan. So I, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a good rule. Um, right, right, yeah, and we we live like in my area. There's basically one Medicare Advantage plan in 85 percent of the counties in the state, and it's Humana. And I, I don't, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with their plan, but when you have, and this actually happened here in North Mississippi Medical Center, which is a large, large rural health system here that with no competition for miles and miles around, uh, just said we're not taking Humana anymore. Not even to the point where it was a PPO, so you say, oh, you could go there and you got to pay out of the network fee. They were saying, we won't even file it unless it's an emergency. Wow. <laughs> so it was pretty bad. Like, you know, a lot of these uh, <laughs> Medicare Advantage agents will say, well, you know, it's a PPO, so you can still go there. Well, not if they won't file it for you. <laughs> that's right. If they won't see you, if they won't process the claim, you know, that's a different problem altogether. Yeah. You know, that's not saying that Humana won't pay them. It's just saying that, you know, yeah, you can go there, you front the cash, and then you file a claim yourself to Humana. I don't <laughs> think anybody on Medicare wants to be doing that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, so so let, let me switch Let me switch to- topics to, to a different kind of topic. And, and, and I... And I, 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 I'm fascinated to hear your answer uh, to this, honestly. Um, so... In, in the insurance industry, our industry over the years, and I think it really still is to a certain extent. I don't think there's a whole lot of people that do what you do, you know, or do it as well as you do. I may, maybe I should say, um, but 
our industry is so focused on face-to-face meetings with people. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like you said, I don't think baby boomers necessarily need that as much as maybe past generations did. You know, I just think we're it's a different day and age to a lot of extent. And, and sending postcards in the mail, you could even say that, you know, a lot of the agents that are working with people are, are still very much old school in their approach. Um, what is it about videos that you think that resonates with people so well today in, in, a, in a way that like something in the mail just can't do? I, I think, um, I don't know if I've thought about this enough as to why it worked so well on baby boomers, but in video, so video for me works very well. Uh, like for me, in my ingesting information, I love video. I love it. Uh, I, that's how I learned the best. Uh, it's the auditory and visual response simultaneously. Um, then that's, that's what I want to, that's how I, I like to learn that and, and doing. Well, medic and Medicare is not something you can just do. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you have to learn in some way, you know. Um, so, so I, I, I just think that there are certain people that respond to it really well, and there's probably certain people that would love like a big written response. And I have uh, an agent in our hierarchy that actually sends large letters. I mean, I'm two-page letters out to all kinds of beneficiaries, and it just explains stuff in written form, mm-hmm. and he gets a good response off of it. So there are different people out there that respond differently. I do think that society has trained us to respond to video. I mean, they've you know, mm-hmm. been, we've had TVs uh, in houses for a long time now, and everything's just going more to visual, visual, um, and visual and audio response simultaneously. And so that's probably programming our brains a little bit. Um, I think that uh, I can't remember what the exact study was, but I heard something the other day. You know, it's funny you hear um, like grandparents say, "Oh, you need to get your kid off." TV and out in the yard playing, but I actually heard a study the other day that that actually um, senior citizens or baby boomers or people over 65 are uh, becoming some of the most addicted to screen. So uh, <laughs> I just I, I I think that that might be one of the uh, one of the reasons it's worse is, is that people are glued to those screens. So if you can get in there and you can give them some information in that screen time, then that's working because. You, you gotta, for us, we have to put our information where you are. Um, and you know, and mail is just so easy to throw away. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to flip through a video too, but, um, the way, the way the internet works is I don't really pay for somebody that doesn't watch it, you know, so, so it's, I think that's, that's, you know, it's getting into agent consumer crossing there, but for, yeah. from our perspective, I need people to ingest the information that I'm putting out as much as possible because a certain percentage of those are going to allow me to help them with their Medicare. And so I want to put information out there that is where they are in a way that certain people like to digest it. And the kind of people that are, are going to see my video are already on a screen. And so they likely already respond to that. So I'm not having to worry about if I send direct mail, I could be sending it to people. Everybody gets direct mail. They're going to open the mail up, and they're going to say, I don't respond to the written word <laughs> as yeah, well yeah. as I do video, but I've already paid to send it to them. With video, I'm really only paying to send it to people who are already on a platform that 
you know, they respond to visual multimedia. So I think maybe that's why it's working better, you know, in some sense. Um, and I mean, we've done local television too, and it's the same concept. Nobody has a TV on in their household and sees our commercial unless they watch TV. Uh, and a lot of times I think that actually helps because they might be cooking and they, they just hear it, you know, every day in their background, you know. Mm-hmm. And over time when they're like, man, my Medicare supplement went up, and they're like, oh, that TV ad I keep hearing, maybe I should call them, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that for getting information to people, it, there's no one size fits all. There's no method that's, that is the best. Um, it's just we need to try to get our information to as many people as possible to create the amount of people that come to us that the max amount of people we can help because it's better for them, it's better for us. That's how we grow as a business, and that's how we help more people. So it's a it's a win win. However, we do it. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I'm I'm exactly the same way as you. You know, my I I re- I consume and retain information better than anything else when I'm watching it in video form. You know, because it's a combination of the visual and the audio. But 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 absolutely, you know. I mean, I've. I think, and I'm sure, and I know for, I'm, I'm sure that you have as well. You know, I've worked with a lot of clients that, you know, they, they don't have internet still, you know, I still have a lot of clients that that's a case for them, you know, and so they, they need things and, you know, they need paper, they need this, they need that, and they need things in a certain way. So it's, that makes a lot of sense that it's, it's more of a preference thing, but also maybe a society thing as we, we progress. And, um, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, Okay, so this this is this is this is a fun question, and you might have more than one answer to this. I'm not sure, but um, so working with people on Medicare as long as you have, you probably see people do a lot of things that just makes you you know just put 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 your forehead in your palm. You know, um, is there a mistake you see people on Medicare or people getting onto Medicare make that just drives you crazy? That you just you know you know it's not you you know them doing this is going to hurt them more than help them long term something that you know you look at the situation and see they could it could be avoided so easily definitely yeah the the number one one is buying the plan that your neighbor bought oh thank you um, especially <laughs> when it's a, especially drug plans or medicare advantage because everybody's drug list is different and situation is different um, and even if your situation is exactly the same your neighbor might have made a bad mistake <laughs> and yeah. a lot of times if they tell you i love my plan you say well i would ask what test have they put it to um you know if there's somebody that goes to two doctor's visits a year and they pay your little 15 dollars copay with a medicare advantage plan they don't really know the shortcomings of that plan yet because they haven't had an observation period in the hospital. They haven't had a long-term hospital stay. They haven't been diagnosed with cancer. They haven't had kidney dialysis treatment. They haven't had all the big stuff that comes up. They haven't had durable medical equipment like an oxygen tank or a hospital bed or any of that stuff that puts a plan to the test. Um, And then even if they had had something to put it to the test, let's say it's a knee replacement. Okay, most Medicare Advantage plans do really good on outpatient surgery. So somebody that had a knee replacement and they paid 150 bucks for their knee replacement. They're like, I went in and it was a $50,000 surgery. I only paid 150. So now your neighbor's telling you this and you think, well, I want that plan. That sounds really good. And then your first test is you get diagnosed with melanoma or lung cancer. 
and uh, you have to have some sort of ongoing immunotherapy or something uh, to treat it, and you're paying 20% out of pocket up to $10,000, and they want to refer you to a specialist and they're out of network. So now you're paying a deductible, and all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, my uh, my neighbor's plan must have worked better for him than, than me. <laughs> so, so that's a situation where I would say, you know, find somebody. And there's a lot of there's there 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 are multiple people like me and Christian and agencies that take all of these things into account. When we recommend a plan, you're not calling me and I say everybody needs this plan. That that's never the case. I, I mean, I, I talked to a lady in Virginia the other day, sold her a Humana Medicare Advantage plan. And I would almost never sell that to somebody that lives right here in Mississippi. But in her case, where she was at, that was the absolute best thing for her. So it just it just depends on the the scenario uh, as to where where somebody is geographically, what their health is like, what their expectations of their plan is, um, what prescriptions they're on. Um, you know, so many different variables there. Uh, what their budget is, if they qualify for any extra help, all kinds of different stuff. Um, what if they have a life policy with an accelerated uh, death benefit rider on it that may help them in the case that they have cancer? Things, things that you know that we would take into account that your some of these people are not taking into account. So if your neighbor has a mutual Omaha plan F, it's great coverage, you know. But what if I? told you that in your area the increase history on that one had been outrageous and that the price that it starts out at is way higher you know than you should be paying and that and, and it's not taking on mutual omaha i'm just saying every area mm-hmm. is different uh, it could be mutual omaha edna sigma you know if you buy a policy because your sister in idaho has that policy and you live in utah that could be a completely different concept where you're at. So, yeah. so you really have to uh, really have to prepare for your situation, not just do what your na- your neighbor or someone else is doing. It that that that's just so gratifying for me to hear you answer that that way because I I talk about that constantly. I feel I feel like I'm talking to myself sometimes, you know, about it. But <laughs> I've 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 I always I've always when I when I've talked about it I've always said. When, when when you make a decision based on your neighbor's recommendation, you're picking a plan based on their needs and not yours. Right. And, exactly. And exactly. I, I think I think, you know, the the way you the way you laid it out is beautiful and perfect and it's right on the money. You know, I just think that peop that that's a mistake that people just need to you know, you you take what they have to say into consideration, you know, you, you look at their plan, but you 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 also make sure that it's going to work for you because you're a different person altogether. Right, right. Um, so basically, um, so I'm, I'm going to put this, I'm going to, I'm going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for taking a break with us to listen to a word from this week's sponsor. Um, I still have Justin Brock here with us, and we're talk- we're having a great conversation about Medicare and Medicare health plans and you know baby boomers and all kinds of great stuff. Um, every single week I bring you a podcast where, we- where I discuss your Medicaid, your Medicare, your Social Security, and everything that has to do with that golden age called retirement. Um, Justin, thanks for, thanks for um, sticking-, sticking in with us, and um, 
I'll just jump right back into these questions here because I still got quite a few. I still got a couple left. Um, so kind of to piggyback on what we were talking about before, you're, you're someone that's worked with not only thousands of people on Medicare, but you've also worked with thousands of Medicare agents all over the country. Um, what do you think someone on Medicare should look for when they're trying to choose an agent to work with? To kind of piggyback, you know, in the last segment when you talked about, um, you know, there's good agents and bad agents. What, what, how can a person deter- define a good agent from a bad agent? Uh, I think, you know, that's one thing where, uh, where online really helps out because you can find the ones that are already putting out good content for free right now. And if, if they'll allow you to digest content that's already helpful before they even talk to you, I feel like that is a good agent because you can get an understanding of whether they know what they're talking about right away. Right. And, uh, and it just helps helps the decision process, uh, you know, move along by just being able to see what, um, you know, what what they actually know before they get you on the phone and try to hard sell you on something. Yeah, yeah, and then I think that's one thing. You know, that's one thing I respect about you so much and how you do things is you're 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 very transparent. You know, and you just kind of you're not afraid to just kind of put things out there about your life and you know, how you do things in your company. And I I think you, I think you do a great job with that. And, um, I think that's a great indicator. You know, I think if people have information out there for you to digest, I think that's a great indicator. So you can kind of get an idea of what they know and what they don't know and kind of what type of person they are. So I love that. Right. Right. Um, so, okay. So this is kind of a fun question. This one I'm going to switch. I'm going to shift gears to this. Um, so like I said earlier on in the interview, um, you and I have kind of similar stories and how we got into this where, you know, whereas, you know, we both started out learning from our dads. Um, I do feel that for me, it gave me the advantage of having a really good teacher and mentor early on that maybe not everybody would have and kind of helped me cut down some on the learning curve. Um, Cause it can, it can Medicare and Medicare industry can be confusing for a lot of new people. Um, do you feel your dad played a big part early on in your career? I, I think it was uh, great, like, you know, growing up and hearing plan F, plan G, plan N, you know, hearing just terminology uh, being dropped around early on so that when I started, you know, when I started doing Medicare, I didn't, uh, there was no, I guess, curb to understanding at least concepts like that. So yeah. That was the, the initial bonus from it. Uh, I, I, it, you know, and there's so many other ones, you know, but like when I would, you know, he, he also told me things like, Hey, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint, you know, this isn't a get rich quick scheme. You're, you're out there helping people incrementally. And then over time you can build up a good income and, and have a good customer base and people are coming to you because of referrals. And he told me that, you know, that early on, that if you build up a good business model that, you know, you really if you make it through the first few years of uh, eating beans and cornbread, uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll, 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 you'll have a good, you know, business and people will be seeking you out. And that's totally true now, you know, so we have a, uh, have a constant stream of people that are asking for our help rather than having to go out and, you know, just like forcefully solicit ourselves. Uh, it's just not necessary anymore. So it was nice having somebody help me set up the right way from the get go. Um, he would tell you that I've helped him a lot because now 
you know, we do so much more business because of, you know, me taking all that information and putting it online and helping him run that side of it. So I think it's been a mutually beneficial relationship. We went from him being a very successful independent agent out of the house when I was growing up to now we have an agency with several agents and administrative staff here so we can handle all the needs. And uh, and everything is, is very, very good because we're not having to spend a lot of money to get someone to use us to help them anymore because we've just created a, an environment of word of mouth and, and referrals where we're constantly busy helping the next person that has been referred to us by somebody we've already helped. Right, right. And um, I mean, that's something that I can relate to quite a bit too because, you know, when I was growing up, my dad worked out of the house too, you know, and, um, you know, when you're a kid and you know um you got to grow up with a kind of a environment where you know um dad's working dad's on the phone dad's talking to a client you know you have to be quiet you have to stay away from his office stay on this side of the house and and then as you get older you know you learn about you know you learn so much about the industry at a young age i um i feel the same way you know i think my dad kind of gave me a lot of fundamentals and a lot of um roots that helped me, you know, and just through his wisdom and experience. And then, um, I'm kind of following in people like you or in your footsteps and trying to kind of branch out and put information out there to, to help people and, you know, for, for Medicare education. And so, you know, um, I think, I think it's for, for, for me as well. I, I can, I can relate, you know, it's a, been a kind of a mutually beneficial relationship for us. Correct. Yeah. Awesome, man. It's, it's nice to, meet other people that are on similar journeys. It's a small world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let, let me jump over to this topic here. Um, okay, one question I've heard a lot over the years from potential clients, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I bet you have too, um, and some agents starting out in the business as well. In, in 2019, in the technology age, where we have everything at the palm of our hands, what use do people have for agents going forward? Do you feel that agents will always be useful for people? Uh, so I think you know, I have a very long road in the financial and insurance advisory sector before we get to, um, you know, automation in that in that sector. I think it's the re- it's the reason that it's outlasted retail and a lot of these other ones. Is, uh, there's still so many concepts that are hard to understand. Yeah. I was listening to, um, I think it was Entree Leadership or some podcast or book, and they read an excerpt from a mortgage, um, something about, you know, five and five arms on mortgage. They started talking about mortgages, you know, and, um, and I'm in the financial sector, and I learn more and more every day, but they started talking about mortgages, and I was like, I don't know what in the world they're talking about. <laughs> and And the whole point that they were trying to make is, like, this is so complicating. Like, how can you really allow this to be done through artificial intelligence or through uh, an algorithm on a computer. And, um, and there's, there's a lot of liability that lies there too. You know, when somebody, if a computer makes a recommendation and someone ends up being out of pocket a lot, technically, you know, who, who ha- holds the fiduciary responsibility there um, to, to that client's needs that they may have felt were met that weren't. Um, and so I think there's, it's a it's a long road to computers taking over what we do. Um, even on the car insurance side, 
I've noticed a lot of people that have, and we don't do car insurance, but I have a lot of friends that do it, but these people that are getting their, their policies on progressive or what have you, and, uh, they're, uh, purchasing, you know, minimum liability coverage or whatever it is. Uh, and, and they're just thinking, they're just kind of racing to the cheapest coverage or, or they're thinking, oh, I'll buy this coverage and that's enough to cover my car. But when it comes out in all actuality, there's not enough there to cover their car. There's not enough to cover their liability um, for, you know, actually being liable for someone's injuries past $50,000, which is, you know, pretty easy to get past. There's not enough uh, to cover lawsuit damages. I mean, I walk around with a with a million-dollar umbrella policy all the time on everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I raise, raise my deductibles pretty high, you know, because I can afford a good deductible. So we have, like, the 1% and 2% homeowners, you know, insurance deductibles and things like that. But those are all concepts that it's hard for somebody who's, I mean, let's say your job is you, you I have a friend, he makes uh, custom blue jeans. It's like an international business now. They do custom shop $500 pair of blue jeans and, and they know everything there is to know about making blue jeans and selling them in Europe and everywhere. And they know all kinds of stuff that I will never understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when he calls me to talk about health insurance, I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, erected a multi-million dollar business out of blue jean manufacturing. So these are smart people. Yeah. He calls me to talk about health insurance for his business. He doesn't know anything about health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's a foreign, foreign concept. It's not a transactional process. If I buy groceries on Amazon's grocery app, and then I go pick them up at the grocery store, they deliver to me, because that's, that's coming and that's happening in bigger cities. And the, I get a rotten avocado, probably just gonna throw it away, you know, mm-hmm. and just say, you know, oh well, it's an avocado. If I get a rotten insurance policy and it ends up costing me $100,000 in extra liabilities down the road, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. It's, it's different than transactional processes, buying t-shirts, buying retail, buying groceries, buying, you know, drinks, buying, you know, things that you can do online that are really easy, buying informational products. That's easy. You know, I sell some courses online to agents. Yeah. And if, if somebody doesn't like the course, I most of the time just give them their money back. Uh, it's, it's not a big deal. But with an insurance policy, there's a lot of risk tied up there. There's a lot of responsibility. So I just don't think, um, I think that there's a lot of people pushing for it to go on the computer. And I think that a lot of them are failing miserably uh, from a profit standpoint. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense to me. And, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of noticed even with the millennial generation, which is, which is my generation, um, you know, you, you always hear about millennial generation, you know, they want to do things their own and they want to do everything on the line. But when it comes to insurance specifically, like you said, you know, I've I've noticed that even mo- a lot of millennials, you know, they would rather talk to somebody. You know, they would rather right, right. get their questions answered. You know, so I, I I completely agree with you. I don't really see. I think there will always be a place for people to to simplify things for people that are complicated. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it, I could see certain sectors probably going online more. I honestly, could see group going online more because most large groups have a human resources person that can do all the research for them. Right, yeah. So, you know, that person could probably customize their plans online, you know, because they have a point man that is going to do all the research and figure everything out. But without, like, somebody who is a subject matter expert or, uh, I mean, because really, like, 
when it comes to me to do to buy car insurance, I'm not going to sit around and research a bunch of different companies and policies and standards and concepts. I call <laughs> yeah. my State Farm guy, and I might be paying too much. I don't know. All I know is I just say, hey, look, this is what I have. This is what is my liability is, you know, at my income level and our assets and my name recognition here. I need this. And, and so that's what we, you know, insure against. But I get him to do that for me because he knows that and i don't yeah yeah definitely definitely i mean um and and you know kind of to piggyback off that you know um and and you you might be able to relate with this as well i mean i've 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 worked with clients over the years that intellectually speaking are just leaps and bounds more intelligent than i am you know their iq is probably so much higher than mine is if we both sat down together and took the same iq test and um, and they, and they could, they, they, they're so intelligent in so many ways, you know, and, um, they're designers and architects and all these amazing things. And when it comes to their health insurance, you know, they're, for the most part, they're lost, you know, and they really, really do lean on me, you know, and it just, it, it, it kind of puts into perspective how for some people, this stuff is kind of tricky to figure out on your own, you know, and then, um, I, I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, Definitely. So it, it's a, it's amazing. I mean, it, it like just like what you just said there, um, with you know, I, I've I've had the same experience where I've been talking to people, and um, and they are, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is a doctor I'm talking to, the lawyer, this is somebody. But when it comes to insurance, they're almost, I mean, they're they're they as far as it goes on insurance, they're no smarter on insurance than the guys that came in that didn't graduate high school that I helped yeah. that worked in a factory his whole life. You know, it's a different different person, but, you know, that it, it doesn't – there's there's no difference on intelligence level when it comes to insurance. The only only time where I have anybody that knows anything about it is if they did insurance in the past. And even those people a lot of times have it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll come in and say, I need plan F. Plan F is the best. And I'm like, well, <laughs> things might have changed. Since you wrote that policy 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, but. <laughs> well, so so uh, another question I wanted to, to touch on, to piggyback on the last one. Okay, so we kind of touched on, you know, where, where you feel that the future of the agent is. What about the future of Medicare? Where do you see Medicare going in the next 10 years? Because you, you always hear whispers about Medicare running out of money. I think, I think it already, I mean, I think that, that ship sailed a long time ago, but, um, going away for some reason or changing dramatically. And do do you have any, I, of course, none of us have a crystal ball. None of us know exactly what's going to happen, but do you have any type of, um, kind of expectation? I, I think that a lot of stuff depends on our ability to, keep Medicare going um, as a nation. So the way I feel about it is I almost feel like medic, Medicare, um, so first of all, it, let's say Medicare failing. Okay, Medicare failing to me and not working anymore because of the shortfall would be catastrophic. It would be like a domino, you know, that would, that would all these other things would happen. Okay, so you know, for instance, if you had a shortfall and certain people stopped getting their medicines because of that, and then there started being cases of people dying, 
because they weren't getting their medicines. And then, you know, that, that would be like a domino effect of chaos. Right. Ensuing. So I think that government as discombobulated as it is, will keep doing things to keep that afloat. Like, um, you know, I honestly think that the $15 minimum wage push has a lot to do with payroll taxes increasing rather than their desire to give everyone a livable wage. I think that that's honestly, they don't want to say, Hey, we want to increase taxes. Oh, let's increase the minimum wage. And then, you know, it also allows them to create a, a higher payroll tax because right. everybody's making a little bit more. So they get to take a little bit more and put that towards Medicare and social security and some of those things. If they can't get that to pass, I think that they'll do things like add more payroll tax naturally and just actually run on a tax platform or, or pass them whether they're in on that or not. Um, I think that'll, <laughs> that'll happen to, to, to protect us from the Medicare and social security shortfall. Um, it's not to say that, you know, our, our country doesn't, we could technically have a, at some point, a, a complete economic collapse, maybe even not be the strongest economic power, but I think that things would get shuffled around enough to protect that generation, even if it really hurt younger generations. So I don't think that for people who are, let's say 50 plus, are in any real danger there. And I hope that nobody's in danger. I hope that they can figure out something to fix things. I mean, like I, I read something one time that said, if we could cure Alzheimer's, that there would be no Medicare or Social Security shortfall. Because that one, just that one ailment yeah. uh, treatment of it is, is like, I think something like 25 or 30% of the entire Medicare and Medicaid budget. So, wow. so it's just massive amounts of money go up. In the, so there's, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, but I, I think that, you know, as on both sides of the aisle, they're going to kick that can down the road as long as they can because it keeps them all in power and keeps um, the, the gravy train rolling, if you will, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. for everybody. That's, a, that's how I, I see it. Um, now, as far as like Medicare for all and all that stuff, I don't think it'll ever pass because the studies show that as many people were as for it when it was kind of a uh, initial punch word in the first Bernie Sanders wave. Mm-hmm. Um, last election cycle i believe that uh since then as they've done more um realization of concepts like you know saying okay well if there is medicare for all you don't get the option of keeping your private health insurance because they're going to abolish private health insurance options and then people are like well that's not what i want i want medicare for all the people that can't get something else i don't want it for me you know right <laughs> right saying <laughs> from people so so i don't really foresee that happening but you know, I I would say in my my crystal ball, uh, I, I don't think anything's going to change for five or six years at least. And then I think the changes will be minuscule to kind of keep everything going as, as it is, maybe decrease benefits for people down the road, like change it to 70, 30 or something. Like, who knows? Yeah. But the people that are already on it, nothing's going to happen to them. And the people that are kind of right there in the pipeline, I don't think anything's going to change for them either. Yeah, yeah, and you know, kind of going back to the, you know, with 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 you know the two of us, you know, growing up around the insurance industry, I, I remember that my dad always told me, especially when I was starting out, that um, that he's you know he said I've been hearing whispers for twenty five years about Medicare is going away in a few years, or Medicare or will be bankrupt by this time, or Medicare will be done by this time and this time and then the, those times come and go and they find a way to keep it going and it's just you know 
Right. Every few like years. Nostradamus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so well, that's that's how I'm, I've been hearing the same thing from my dad. He says the same thing. It's been some people been saying that, and then it, it, he said, uh, honestly, the more and more the government gets involved in healthcare, the more opportunity it creates for us because they always screw something up, and then the more <laughs> discombobulated and screwed up the market is, the more need there is for advisors. <laughs> right, right. That's so, so true. I mean, like Obamacare did definitely hurt some people, but at the same time, if you stuck around and tried to help people through health insurance, it created so much confusion. You had more customers than you knew what to do with. Right. Uh, you know, in some ways, I don't think it's messed it up, and and it and it never really affected Medicare as much as it affected health insurance for people not eligible for Medicare. Right. Right. Well, I, I, I agree with you completely. And I, I think that's a I think that's a fascinating perspective for me personally, you know, because that's some that's a question I get asked all the time from clients of my own and I, I usually have something similar to say about it. You know, I try not to I try not to get too political with people because I never know, you know, if I something I'm gonna say right. yeah. irritate I try them. To but... say, I, I try to have an an apolitical perspective on the concept. And yes. I try to tell them like this isn't this isn't have anything to do with the way I feel about how any of this should go. This is my prediction of how it will go. Yes. I mean I'm literally in my prediction saying there is the possibility that the whole country has an economic collapse and shift. I don't want that to happen. I'm just saying But it could know, happen with our national debt and stuff, it could definitely happen. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that when it does, there will be a restructuring and the first people that I think will get taken care of will be your retired class because, I mean, you have to take care of them or they'll, you know, or, or the results would be a nightmare for everybody. So, yeah. um, so I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that even in the worst situation, we find ways to protect the people who have paid into the system for 50 years or more. Yeah, definitely. Well, two more questions, Justin, and then and then I'll stop I'll stop torturing you. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so this, my my second to last question is, and and I I really like this question, and I'm 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 interested to kind of hear your perspective on it. What do you think the Medicare industry can do better for seniors? I think that the Medicare industry would be better. To create a system that rewards advisors in a way that like takes people who are good advisors who are running good shops with no complaints or almost no complaints doing high volume and and actually invest and rather than invest in their online enrollment platforms that do no good in my opinion Mm-hmm. Uh, they could invest that money into advisory firms that are doing a good job to help them grow and help more people. That would be something I think would be revolutionary and would be, um, you know, just a great way to, or, or at least create a system in place where when people call that they actually can, um, they could say, you need to talk to this advisor. This is a Medicare approved advisor in your town or CMS certified advisor where they were referring out to the good ones and that would squash out a lot of the bad ones because, you know, at some point you could say, well, let's just call Medicare and tell them to recommend us to an advisor and they recommend you to the one who had a five-star rating or whatever, you know, right. based off of the recommendations in that area. And it, it could create more, you know, regional and 
uh, hubs for for people who would would do a good job because they would be being graded just like with Medicare Advantage plans that are graded on those star ratings. They work harder and harder to create the best Medicare Advantage plan, and which you know I have my forum for Medicare Advantage plans, but I have to say a lot of them are getting pretty pretty um, good. I mean, on on a lot of fronts. So um, especially Aetna, I mean, that's commendable. They're, they they've created some great ones in some areas now, but they're doing that because they're being rewarded, you know, and I, yeah. I think they could do that on the agent side because I think it would help out the consumers too, because they would be, we're non-biased, we're, 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 we can arrive in the best interest of that client. And then, uh, you know, I keep my star rating by having a very, very low percentage of claims, like complaints, you know, in, in right. any complaint. I feel like the Better Business Bureau for Medicare agents. <laughs> I think that would be a great thing. Yeah, I, I I agree with you completely. You know, I think that, you know, not only would it reward the people that, you know, are busting their hump for their for their clients and their people and their, you know, and their and their they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're there for them, but it would but it would really kind of pull the sheets off of the people that aren't doing that. You know, um, right. Which you know, that's neither here or there. But you know, I I I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, because I think. It would help. I think it would help a, a lot of solve a lot of problems in the industry as a whole. Definitely. So, okay. So, last and final question I got for you. Um, talk about your company. What states can your company work with people in? And if someone was listening to this and they just really kind of identified with you and you know your answers and your perspective, how can people get in touch with you to work with you? Or, or work with someone at your company. Okay, so our, our company is a, a primarily, our primary states would be, um, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee. But we do have a good Indiana um, and some other states. We're licensed in about 30 states, but most of those have been off referrals from our current clients and those types of things. Um, but we are, you know, constantly growing to help more people. But, yeah, our focus is kind of the southeast. Um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with us, of course, they can call our office anytime at 662-844-3300. Or they can go on our website, which is bobbybrockinsurance.com. Uh, and we have a lot of information on there. We're trying to add more and more information to make it the best informative site out there. I'm also on YouTube. If you look up Justin Brock on YouTube, Justin Brock Medicare, you can probably but bobbybrockinsurance.com is kind of our informative site where you can read about each of our agents and all that kind of stuff. Well, great, great. And, um, you know, I, I also know that there's, you know, a lot of um, agents that listen to, to listen to this podcast. And, you know, if, you, if you're an agent out there and you're looking to, you know, grow your business, you know, I've, I've personally done um, one of Justin's courses, you know, to help with social media advertising and social media, you know, having a presence. And I can tell you it's helped me tremendously, you know. So, I, I mean, even if you're an agent and you're kind of looking for some guidance, I'd, I'd recommend, you know, um, seeking his content out because it's really powerful and it's unlike anything anyone else is putting out there. Awesome. I appreciate the kind of words, man. Yeah, of course. And, um, and, and. Justin, again, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this and taking so much time to, to kind of talk with me and, 
And um, I, I think it's I think it's going to help a lot of people, and I think a lot of people are going to benefit tremendously from from your insight and your experience and just you know your level of information that you know they really probably aren't going to be able to hear from too many other folks in the industry. So I, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for everything. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, make th- This episode will air Saturday, the 29th, I believe. Yes, the Saturday, the 29th. Every single week we bring your podcast on Mondays and Saturdays. If you're listening to us on a platform that allows you to subscribe, please subscribe for future episodes, and I can't wait to talk with you next time. Thank you for listening.